You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. This is the Broadway Boys Podcast through the Hockey Podcast Network, and we are back covering everything about the 2020 draft. It was... The biggest draft, I think, in Rangers history, having the first overall pick and having the opportunity to draft such a dynamic player and Alexis Lafreniere, that's going to be a tough one for me to say. Uh, and I'm back with Andy. And again, just an October morning, just hammering this thing out, getting it done, talking draft picks. How you doing, Andy? Oh, I'm doing wonderfully. After a rainy and cold Friday. We are recording this on a beautiful Saturday morning. I'm sitting here with my Rangers mug drinking uh, Honduras Royal Reserva uh, from the wonderful people at uh, Coffee Project New York. Not a sponsor, just love their coffee. And yeah, uh, obviously there's been a lot going on recently. So we've our last few pods have kind of been reactions to free agency and just obviously landing Alexi Lafreniere, but we haven't really had a chance to break down what we thought of their picks they made in the draft and uh, where these players might project and where they might slot in a future Rangers lineup. So yeah, I'm excited to do that. It's uh, there's a lot of good things on the, the horizon for the Rangers. And uh, yeah, we also had some interest from uh, some of our fans on Twitter also wanting to know, um, you know, what we thought overall is uh, about the Rangers draft as a whole, because yeah, you want to know if they made good on all the picks they had. And I definitely have some takes, so I'm sure we'll get into it. Yeah, and if you're like me and you start looking at the, you know, the bottom of the draft, you know, in the late later rounds and you start seeing names that you're really not familiar with because they they haven't been the uh the cool names to talk about leading up to a draft um you know, it, it's just one of those things where, you know, you kind of rely on experts and 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 who knows what they think. They always have, you know, an agenda to get clicks and buttons and and um buttons i don't even know what that means uh to get clicks on their articles and button you know, mashing. Uh, yeah button mashing mashing and uh you know just you know trying to lure you in and sell you on a product uh so you get all hyped about it and and i don't believe any of it unless it's coming from your mouth andy so you're gonna That's be very, very you're gonna be driving basically the ship today and i guess we'll start at uh round seven do, but do we want to touch on i i guess we just we need to, t- oh, man, I'm struggling today. 
I guess we need to touch a little bit on the signings that happened um, this week with uh, Tony D'Angelo and Georgiev signing uh, a couple contracts short term, which is great for the Rangers. I loved it. I mean, it made my morning. I woke up at 4 a.m. seeing the tweets saying uh, Tony signed a two-year deal. And now, uh, um, you know, Georgie signed his. And it seems like once those two were done, for me, I'm not really married to anybody else on the team uh, in terms of term, length, and money. And, I, you know, Strom is the only one that, like, I have a big question mark on what's going to happen with him. So uh, what were your thoughts and what are your thoughts on Strom? And then we can get right into the draft. Yeah. So as far both players, I I assumed a bridge was pretty much the only way to operate going forward. Tony, you know, he took a chance on himself last season and he passed the test with flying colors. But unfortunately, with a static cap due to just the timing was terrible. Uh, I think the team is very uncomfortable because Tony is talented, but at the same time, there are other talented, uh, you know, uh, defensive prospects in their system, you know, Nils Lungfist and K Andre Miller. So, yeah, I mean, you know, unfortunate for him because he bet on himself and then the timing just couldn't be any worse, but I'm obviously very happy. A, both sides got a deal done. B, I'm ecstatic. Cause I thought, I thought if they were going to bridge him, it would have to minimum be uh, for five, you know, but mm-hmm. to get him just right under that this year. And then I think next year, I think it's right around that. I think that's a steal. Um, the Georgiev contract. Uh, yeah, it was fine. I mean, I, I'm a believer in him. I think it was a little, maybe, I don't know, 400 K more than I thought he would get. Uh, but that's all right because, you know, obviously I think the Tony contract coming in, a, you know, pretty under, I think overall, they're locked up right around for what I what I was hoping it would take to get them uh, together. So now you have a, an Igor and Alexander Georgiev tandem for next season. Uh, with you have that certainty, and those two, I'm sure, will be pushing one another, which is good for the club. And yeah, we have uh, D'Angelo back because clearly uh, our defense, as offense, as much offensive uh, firepower as this team has, I mean, you know, losing Tony right now uh, would. Yeah, I don't even if you in a trade, it would create more problems unless you're, you know, trading for a, a stabilizing presence on the other side, but you would still take a hit on value. So I'm glad that the, you know, the two sides got something done. Uh, are, does Georgiev and Tony finish out those contracts here? I'm not quite sure, but right now it's looking at least I think Tony might be here and then they'll have to reassess. I, you know, it, 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 they're just punting. The Rangers are just punting this ball down the field because, you know, with the cap and their youngsters coming in and who projects is what, you know, they kind of have to see what they have and see what bonus they have their bonus cushion to see what they're going to have to pay out. And yeah, like you said, now the only, uh, the only question mark is Strom. So I'm sure once we get that news, we can do a free agency roundup in full, but yeah, obviously very happy. I was happy to see that the Rangers got both those deals done. Yeah, and, you know, my final thoughts on the thing. First, with Tony, you know, obviously he was fourth among defensemen in points. I think he goes kind of under the radar uh, because I, I think, you know, people are just not ready to talk about him uh, like he is a top defenseman and an offensive defenseman in the league. Uh, I think his value will only go up. So I, I'm really excited to have him for two years. 
because I think, uh, you know, defensemen like Nate Schmidt and Petrangelo this offseason, even though it's, you know, it's kind of short and they finally found their homes, uh, you know, kind of, you know, took away from the Tony talk and him only being a restricted free agent. It's not like, you know, he was a free agent at the time. And I don't know if teams were ready to make a full move with Tony. So I'm glad we have him in our back pocket for the next two years as an asset to trade, because I think every team going for a Stanley Cup could always use a Tony to drive the offense from uh, from the back end. And uh, in, you know, Prince Georgie, I'm glad he's he's back. I think he was a little overpaid, but, you know, for all the, the bullshit that he kind of had to go through over the past couple seasons, you know, uh, you know, splitting time with Hank to then the trifecta goalie situation that the Rangers had last year. Uh, I think he was a champ. I think he pulled through it and he certainly didn't play himself out of a contract. And, you know, I'm excited to have him for two years because, again, we say this every podcast, the goalie tandem is going to be vital going forward, especially next year. So I'm happy to have our goalie situation all shored up. I'm glad to have uh, Tony back because I really think that gives us a lot of depth and it gives us an asset moving forward. And, you know, again, the only thing that's left on the table really is, is Strom and finding a number two center. Whether or not that gets done or if Strom signs a similar contract to Tony where it's not really damning and we kind of ride it again, just punt it, punt the ball, and, and hopefully we get uh, an opportunity to steal number two center, <clears throat> Jack Eichel. But we'll see, you know, what what the future brings for us. So, Yeah, well said. And, you know, I think your point about uh, the league not really catching on to Tony's value, that happens a lot where the team – has seen enough of Tony this year to know that even though it might to everyone else, uh, those numbers, you know, being whatever he was fourth or fifth and scoring as a defenseman, uh, you know, it, they see it as maybe an outlier, but I think obviously watching him for, well, uh, you know, as for a half about three quarters of a season before everything was canceled, I think, uh, the front office sort of knows what they have in him now and what his, uh, strengths and weaknesses are and you know and you forget he also played with Mark Stahl so much so you know you you could only wonder maybe how how much either more productive or how much more his better his defensive impact would be if he didn't have to babysit Mark Stahl at times yeah and you know it's just it's just one of those things where and you said it best where we just kind of punted and we kind of are seeing where our chips fall with all you know of our prospects and and again, you don't know what you're going to have to pay those you know, players in the future. And it's nice to know that, you know, because the term is so short that those contracts will expire before you really have to make any big moves in terms of uh, uh, giving the young kids, uh, you know, longer contracts and stuff like that. So let's just see what we have this year in terms of um, prospects and, you know, and welcome the newest New York Rangers to the organization. So um again the the later rounds if you don't know who these players are this is where you really want to tune into if you want to get all amped up and hyped up you might want to stick around till the end because obviously uh our precious baby alexis lafreniere was the 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 prize among prizes of the nhl draft so uh andy let's start at uh round seven 196 overall the rangers selected a goalie hugo olas yeah, so this is one of those picks where I was and other people were just kind of scratching their head. But it's the seventh round. Uh, if anything, I think it's 
more it, taking a goalie in the seventh round is might be an homage to Lundqvist. Maybe they, they just said, screw it. Maybe we'll hit <laughs> strike a lightning twice. Uh, this kid is huge. He's six foot eight and he's 238 pounds. So he's a big boy. Uh, and it's, yeah, I mean, you know, at being 238, even if you're six foot eight, I mean, yeah, I don't, I really don't, I don't have, didn't have any viewings of him. I didn't have the the book on him. Obviously I've done research since then. And yeah, he, he's apparently, he's very big. Uh, he likes to get set early, uses size to stop pucks. He's not, you know, maybe the more of a, and it's a, you know, lazy cause he's also big, but Ben Bishop in terms of he's not, you know, he's not a very reactive athletic guy. He's going to get set early and just trust his size. And yeah, a lot of, that's what a lot of big goalies do. So, uh, you know, he's playing in the super elite league, although I don't know if he'll be, uh, get a chance in the Alsvenken or even the SHL this season. I, I doubt it, but, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I think whenever, whenever it comes to goaltending, you know, I assume they trust in Ben Waller and they show him, Hey, we're thinking about this kid. What do you think of his mechanics? Do you think there's something we can work with? Like, what do you think of the game tape? And it's worked out for the Rangers pretty well to this point. So I can't, again, I, uh, whenever it comes to goaltending decisions with this organization, everyone always gets so mad. And then a few years down the line, when we don't have, when we have a Georgiev or, you know, the Cam Talbots and, uh, whatever, or we trade for Ranta, like, it just seems to that's the one thing they have a they seem to have somewhat figured out so i will defer to new york rangers brass don't know much about a uh, huge olas as as people have been calling him online because <laughs> he's you know so big uh, but i don't know much about hugo olas but uh yeah i know something definitely an interesting player and we'll i guess we'll keep monitoring him going forward i mean as soon as i saw the name i'm like this is a name that can be chanted at the garden for sure like hugo are you huge kidding me old yeah Huge old ass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, again, at that point, though, I again, I just trust that the Rangers are just are, I want them to gamble. You know what I mean? Like you, you got you got your players in the couple the first couple rounds. Take a shot. You know what I mean? And I'm glad they did. Yeah. Um, you know, six, seven. My God, uh, his knees must be shot by the time. Six, he hit six, eight, Yeah. You know, I definitely. Again, I, I don't know what he looks like without his goalie gear on, but, you know, you, you got to hope that he is at least uh, one, you know, because that's the problem with those guys, those Ben Bishops, is that it just you're so big and the more weight you carry, it just destroys your knees. So you have to really work on getting keeping the weight off, you know, and you look at Lundqvist, yeah, we, he probably dropped five pounds from from every year of his career. You know, he just got some, you know, at, but, you know, luckily goalie equipment got lighter and lighter. So it allowed him to drop a little weight and not need the extra muscle and, and you know mass to to move around so yeah all right well all right so thank you for the breakdown of huge old ass uh <laughs> we'll go into the sixth round we have another giant unless this is wrong uh out of the no this is correct oh god seattle yeah, thunderbirds is, yeah uh, western sixth round league. Six eight, two hundred and six pounds. I'm sure he weigh, probably weighs a little bit more. Matthew Rempe. Yes, that's correct. Um, this was also a head scratcher, and I didn't. I don't like it as much. Not that I was a huge fan of it, but I I like this less than their pick in the seventh. Uh, I think this is the Rangers just taking a player who's with size, 
just just you know between although i i've come around on tim gettinger a bit i i do see that there might be a a fourth line player in the national hockey league in there somewhere uh yeah i it was very clear to me that the, this draft, instead of trying to bank on upside, the Rangers had a clear goal in mind. Clearly, after what happened to them in the playoffs, it's, it was kind of hard for them to ignore. And if you look at some of their selections, they clearly want to be harder to play against. And I think they're clearly trying to take players that, even though a Matthew Rempe is a real long shot, as as most players in the sixth round are, but instead of like they're banking more on raw skill than uh you know, and, and raw like athletic uh, ability than they are actual like puck skills and vision and things of that nature. Because, you know, I, I didn't get to watch much of Seattle this year. Um, you know, I actually probably watched them more when they were playing, you know, some of the, the you know, when I, when I was taking a look at like Cam Loops and Connor Zari or, uh, um, Portland and watching Seth Jarvis, just, you know, if they'd play, play those teams, but outside of being big, he never really, uh, stood out to me one way or another, which is funny considering how big he is. But yeah, I, I guess the Rangers think he's got enough going on. Apparently he skates fine for his size, you know, like a Tim Gettinger, you know, he can move around. He's a center. So, you know, Hey, if, if they want to be one of the, it seems that the, the league is trending more to be friendlier to smaller centers. But I guess if you can be six, eight and as a project in the six and they take you and you pan out, that's great. But you know, at that point, who knows, maybe I, if I would have taken like an overage prospect who was, you know, in the second time around in the draft, but um, yeah, you know, I wasn't a huge fan of it. This pick, if I'm being honest, but whatever, I guess they hope he makes it. I don't, I, I don't think this kid makes it unfortunately, but that's just me. Yeah. Well, for me, Andy, this is where we differ because I'm all about gambling on something that could be special. So you got a kid who's six foot eight, 200 pounds. Sounds like he's, a little bit on the skinnier side and needs to fill in and, uh, you know, get some uh, beef on those muscles. But I love it because this is exactly who you would build in an NHL 20 game or NHL 21. Uh, And, you know, as a center position, I don't know how this kid has lasted this far playing center at six foot eight. I mean, usually centers have to be, you know, better skating. I would move this kid to the wing, see what he has, Maybe you can win some one-on-one battles along the boards. I mean, if he's that good of a center, uh, that's that good of a skater playing center, I think he should be just fine on the wing. And I'd love to see him play against, you know, you know, a little bit better competition. So again, I don't mind the gamble here. I think there could be huge upside with this kid, especially if his skating kind of catches up with his with his size and he's able to carry that game forward to the to the next level. And see what we have. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, they're comparing him to. Well, he molded his game after Ryan Getzlaff. It's like, I mean, let's let's calm down here. But you know, again, a, a center who's big, and that I guess skating isn't really his downfall. I kind of like that. I mean, I don't know about you, but you know, you want kids that can skate because if they can skate, you can teach them the other things. Uh, to build around their skating. So, um, yeah, I like it. I, I'm going to I'm yeah, I, I approve. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess, you know, with the, the ranginess, you, you hope that uh, he definitely, I would assume they're looking at him as more of a, a defensive two-way center, mm-hmm. you know, because it's like I, I haven't seen any uh, – 
any evidence of like either creativity or dist- puck distribution abilities or just scoring ability. But hey, listen, if you have a you know, if he if he down the road becomes a bottom six, uh, you know, whether it's on the center or the wing, two way player who can just is a nightmare to to contend with because you can't get around him. Yeah, I mean that could be good, but like you said, it's a. Uh, uh, I just for me, I think there are some players with maybe some more workable or maybe a little bit more tangible things to bank on. But you know, uh, listen, it's it's one. It, that's the beauty of the draft is that if it uh, does pan out, then you know they'll look like geniuses. Well, that's the beauty of being in my position, Andy. Ignorance is bliss. I just see, see, I, you see all the players that the Rangers could have drafted, and I just see the six foot eight monster that we just got at the center position. Yeah, it's true. All right, so let's get into our. Uh, it was the second pick in the fifth round, uh, 133rd overall, a left wing at uh, the United States National Development Program in the USHL, Brett Berard. I love this pick. I'm going to say that up top. Um, so yeah, listen, the U.S. National Team Development Program last year they had that, uh, you know, his. You, you could almost say historic crop in which I, th- I forget how many players in total they had drafted, but you know, uh, you know, Hughes and, and Cam York and uh, Turcotte. And it's just, yeah, I mean, obviously when you have that much talent graduating, you know, and, and most uh, some going to the NHL in the case of Jack Hughes and then the rest either going to the college route or whatever. Uh, yeah. The U S national team this year, not, they weren't a bad team, but they clearly were nowhere near, they were nowhere as loaded, but Brett Berard really stood out to me in a good way. Um, he's obviously undersized. I think he's only, you know, he's like five, nine, five, ten, but he's like 180 some odd pounds. So he's stocky. But um, yeah, man, I, what I like about Brett is that he is very, he has excellent awareness. He's a, he's a pretty good skater. You know, he's not, it's not like a water bug type, but he's got a high motor. He moves around well, and he's really smart. He makes excellent decisions. And that's the biggest thing with him is that uh, despite being small, he the way he deals with pressure is excellent. And he uses his teammates so well, and he's a very solid passer. And um, if anyone is looking to get into prospects, uh, go to YouTube and, and type in Scouching. And Will Scouch. Uh, has a YouTube channel as well as a Patreon and Twitter content. And yeah, he's just does great independent scouting and he has a whole video on Brett, which is great, really breaking down and he does data tracking and analytics. And I believe in his tracking for the entire draft that Brett Berard was the number one player of all the, every player he tracked, which I assume was, you know, upwards of a hundred players or something like that. Um, in terms of, entering the offensive zone with control. And when you watch the eye test kind of confirms that because I mean, he passes the puck very well, but not in like a flashy way. He's pretty, his game is pretty meat and potatoes, but he just is very good at dealing with pressure, making the smart and safe pass, getting it to his teammates, utilizing his teammates to get the puck up ice. Uh, you know, like I said, shaking off pressure. He, he competes. He's got a, a little bit of, Brad Marchand in his game, which I know people like because he can be, you know, when you're he's in scrums, he's can be very uh, tenacious and chippy and try to get, you know, get, get a little forearm shivers in and all that. So, yeah, the kid just battles. And 
clearly the Rangers like what they saw in that. They're trying to get harder to play against and a player that is willing to get in early and also can get the puck to a teammate with control or get it out of danger is great. Um, I don't know if he, I don't, unfortunately at his size and the fact that he doesn't have like amazing vision and awareness, uh, well, at least offensive awareness, like, you know, he's, he probably, I think a reasonable projection for him that if he makes it is as a bottom six support player, who's like, you can can play on your penalty kill and is excellent defensively, you know, kind of like a, a Jesper Foss, maybe. Uh, they're not exactly the same, but in terms of a guy you can rely on to like make smart, sound decisions and not hurt you, but also to get like, if you put him with maybe a, if he plays on a third line and you put a guy who's like very offensively talented, but has some defensive warts, I think he's a good guy to put on that line. So yeah, I'm a big fan of Brett Berard. Uh, no, he's not related to Brian Berard. I know a lot of, people were saying that but that's that's not true but uh yeah i like i said don't think he has the skill or creativity to be like a top six player but i think he is would be an excellent uh you know bottom six like reliable support player and yeah i'm a, I'm a big fan of this kid yeah so i read a few articles on this kid because every time i i seem to be typing in research on the players that the uh rangers drafted this year this kid uh, seemed to be the an A in terms of where they got him in the draft and his um, basically his ability and <clears throat> you know and what he you know brings to the Rangers organization. Uh, he's a little on the smaller side, which, which kind of scares me. The five foot nines, but we are getting into a game where you know you got to be able to skate, you got to be able to uh, think quickly, and um, and this kid also, and you got to play with you know, a little bit of a, you know, a grinding style to your game. And this kid kind of seems to have all those, you know, aspects to him. And then once you see the Brad Marchand comparison, you're like, your eyes light up like, oh my God, could you imagine if we had a kid like this running around Madison Square Garden, um, you know, a, a kid that you can throw out there against another team's top line just to stop them and agitate them and, and piss them off, you know, the Garden would just go nuts. So, uh you know, what are the odds of this kid really um, making an impact, you know, you know, maybe not obviously in the next couple of years, but three or four, five years down the line where he's kind of de- maybe developed his game in the AHL? Yeah, I mean, from he's from limited viewings, you know, the U.S. national team will play uh, against college competition and he looked fine. He didn't look like, you know, uh, advancing against maybe even large stronger and bigger players didn't really seem to hurt him he kind of played the same game so yeah again i just think if he i'd like him to maybe develop a little bit more obviously you want him to get stronger you know you can't you can't will him to get bigger but he can work on getting stronger and hopefully get a little bit more explosive in his skating because i do think that will be you know at this point those are the things you can control like i don't think he's gonna all of a sudden you know just come up with excellent hands and vision that he didn't have before. Uh, and that's not his game anyway. He's just smart about doing what he, you have to do in the moment to like uh, drive positive results on the ice. So that's what he does. So yeah, as long as he works on getting stronger and, you know, even like a Marshan, just really, really working on your skating. Um, yeah. I think like I had said before, a bottom six, you know, two way support player is, a very fair and reasonable projection for him. And 
you know, I do think it'll take him a little bit longer to get there because of the size. And but yeah, who knows? Maybe four years down the line. You know, and I believe he is one of the younger players in this draft. Uh, I think he's a late uh, he's a late birthday. So yeah, he's got more, maybe a little bit more runway than you would think. And I actually, in looking at some of the Rangers' picks, I do think that's something that weighed into it. Is that like you know, if this guy is a little underdeveloped in this way, but they're already driving results like this, like, and they have a little bit more runway, who knows how that, that bears, bears out, like what he looks like this time next year, you know? So yeah, I think, like I said, uh, bottom six support winger, uh, reasonable projection for Brett Berard. All right. Let's get into the first pick in the fifth round drafted 126th overall. By the New York Rangers, a six foot, 152 pounds. That can't be right. 152 pounds from Barry Colts, Evan Vieira. No, they, that's that's probably that could be his uh, at the beginning of the you know the season last year. He is very slight, so I think he's well, probably 152 a pounds is insane. No, I mean I have him. I have him listed here at 167, which would probably by now he's probably six foot, 170 pounds. Which hope- sounds a little less crazy. <laughs> yes, it does because I, I know <laughs> but, yeah. I know ten uh, year olds that weigh more than one hundred and fifty pounds. Yeah, no, but uh, yeah. So Evan Veerling uh, is very slight, but he was probably one of the better playmakers in the entire OHL last season. Um, Love that. You know, it's funny because I, I he wasn't on my radar much early on, but he you know he was he was playing for a Flint Firebirds team that, that if anyone who's followed them for the last few years has been an absolute tire fire between ownership and uh, yeah, just not having money. And it's just been a nightmare. So he demanded a trade and rightfully so, because I thought they were screwing up his development um, gets trade to Barry mid season. You know, I think he like, he left, he's like, I'm not showing up to go, I'm not playing games until you trade me. He just said, uh, you're, I'm not, I'm not having this. So gets trade to the Barry Colts and, uh, so then, you know, I would, especially with that 22nd pick, I, you know, looking into players like Tyson Forrester or for next year, Brant Clark, who's a, one of the top projected D men for ne- the draft next year. Yeah. I just wanted to get a, a view on these guys and yeah, Evan really stood out. He, this kid can really dish the puck. He's extremely smart. He has excellent vision and he's just one of those guys that just makes things really easy for himself and his teammates. You know what I mean? Like he, it's a strength, but it's also something that you might have to hope he can learn to push into the interior a little bit more. But, uh, you know, he it's I think he just his brain works in such a way that it allows him to avoid situations that could be problems. And just, you know, he can he's very good at using, uh, yeah, just his skating and body language to open up passing lanes to teammates or to quickly curl out and just make plays off the half wall. And yes, he's just like I said, he's a he's a pass first player. Um, excellent facilitator. And yeah, I mean, I really do like this pick here. Uh, I do. I think, I think, you know, he's slight obviously, but he's a good enough skater. He's not super explosive, but he's good enough. He gets around well. And with, with his vision and his playmaking skills, I do think his, he has high upside. I think he could end up a second line center. Um, I don't think that's like the most realistic comparison, but that's probably the ceiling. You know, he definitely has the skills to be a, uh, a 50 plus point guy in the national hockey league, but well, just well, based just on put it this way, um, you know, for everyone out there, you see a kid like Ryan Strom obviously got drafted high and high in the draft, uh, you know, in, in his year, 
and he is really top max, a, a second line center on a bad team. Would you say this is this guy's ceiling also? Um, Strom is a little bit more, at least offensively. I like Evans' defensive game better, or at least at this way. But I do think Strom is a better shot and is probably a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, Strom has that little bit more dual threat offense thing that Evan doesn't really have right now. Like he, the kid shoots the puck fine. I didn't flag it as anything bad, but he's just not, he's just literally, he's like, you know, he loves to pass and he just loves to use his hands in close to, to score. Um, you know, he's, but you know, especially when he was playing with Tyson Forster, it was one of the better snipers in the entire draft all season where it, it was easy. If you just got him the puck, you know, he could, that scoring ability, he just put in the net, but, um, yeah, but I mean, in terms of, um, I mean, he definitely, in terms of the playmaking ability, I could definitely see a Ryan Strom because he's clearly, they're both offensively, they're both very smart, mm-hmm. understand how to move around the ice to like get pucks and uh, maybe compensate for a lack of overall strength and aren't the best skaters, but are just are certainly good enough to get around the ice and to shield pucks. And so, yeah, I think maybe he's not as offensively uh, rounded as Strom is, but at the same time, I do like his his two-way game because he uses that awareness to kind of like positions himself a little bit better where i feel like strom at times does not (laughs) or you know i don't you know strom for a guy who really has that awareness about where to be open spots in the offensive zone like strom does uh i don't see that on both sides of the ice but veerling i do see that a little bit so yeah maybe he doesn't have the off total offensive output of a ryan strom but he's a better overall a well-rounded two-way player so Hell, if he if he's a middle six, uh, gets a little bit stronger, you know, also continues to work on his skating. If he becomes like a middle six, uh, you know, two way play playmaking center or even a winger, yeah, that works for me. I like it. So I like this pick here. Uh, you know, didn't like so I didn't like the seventh and the sixth pick, but I liked uh, I've liked everything the Rangers have done so far in the middle rounds. Although uh, we'll talk about that. You know, I was surprised Veerling was available here because in my own um rankings i i kind of flagged him more of as a or pegged him i should say as more of a closer to the tail end of the third so the fact that he was available in the fourth here like yeah it's a it's a steal for me yeah i think that right there they probably circled his size and said ah there's a project it's gonna take a couple years for him to adapt to a uh a men's game so to speak uh, being at that weight, uh, you know, six foot, is, you know, obviously it's like almost like a perfect height. Again, an, another center with offensive upside that you're telling me that can be maybe a two C at best, but realistically maybe a third or fourth line center with an offensive punch. I'll, I'll take it. I'll take it any day of the week, especially in the fifth round. Hi there. Pleased to meet you. My name is Tom Franklin, one half of the Blue Notes podcast and the Hockey Podcast Network. We've got that 2019 Stanley Cup power too sweet to be sour. And we're also your home for the best blues analysis. Yes, it's it's a it's a Bruin, but he, he's he's going to help the power play. And, and that's what people need to understand. And, you know, they're going to look at it and say, oh, well, Justin Falk was supposed to help the power play as well. Tory Krug is legitimately going to help the power play. It felt like Newport was ready to go into his offseason and use Petrangelo as an example and say, okay, we're going to play chicken 
here with with uh, with the COVID cap here. Someone is going to give Petrangelo his money. We also have great guests from here at home. St. Louis Post-Dispatch, St. Louis Blues beat writer Jim Thomas, the organist for the St. Louis Blues, Jeremy Boyer, and around the world. Yo, Blues fans, it's Gerard, the Dutch Blues fan, all the way from the Netherlands. And no other podcast can say they have a Hawaiian hockey correspondent, but we do. Aloha! I'm Guy, the Hawaii Blues fan, and this is my Aloha Commentary. Plus, a little self-deprecating humor thrown in there. One of our new Blue Note Selkie-level COVID mask, if I can turn it the right way there so I can properly sell it. I am, I, you know what, I am failing my prices right model audition right here. This is, this is terrible. He has opted for the uh, neck gator uh, version of this, and I'm still failing my prices right off this fuck it um, <laughs> voted the best podcast by our peers in the hockey podcast network follow tom and wags on facebook twitter and instagram at blue notes pod and be sure to subscribe to blue notes wherever you get your podcasts from this is tom franklin reminding you to not be a chump and always play to the whistle all right so uh, taken in the fourth round, 102 overall, the Rangers selected a goalie, Dylan Gerard. It's a uh, Garand. Garand. Yes, oh my god! You know, oh my god! I had the Berard in my head, and yes, it's all right. You you just poured that coffee, James. You just you just keep drinking it. I really um, haven't. I haven't even had it yet. So oh well, there you go. There's a problem. Yeah, so we talked about the Rangers choosing a absolutely ginormous goalie in, with their seventh round pick. Uh, Dylan Garand is, you could say he's a little undersized for a goalie. I think he's six foot, maybe six one, but uh, yeah, 170 pounds. But I think it's a great value pick at this spot. Um, he was one of the better goaltenders in the Western Hockey League this season. You know, him and I'd say him and Connor Zari were probably one of the big, the two biggest reasons why uh, Cam Loops was such a good team this year. And yeah, this kid really really battles and competes and because he doesn't have the size uh, obviously like he's not he, he can't afford to just kind of like get set and let his size take care of things but he's got an excellent glove and he's very patient so he kind of plays a little bit more reactively but again because i don't think he's like he i don't think he has at least at his size he doesn't have the benefit of like just getting set and trusting that he's playing his percentages right because there's always going to be there's a you know, I think his maybe if you could say there's a weakness is he can get beat high at times, uh, but he also can, you know, with that glove, he can kind of snare shots, you know, before they go top top shelf. But yeah, um, you know, Ronta was a sm- is a smaller goalie. Robin Laner's a smaller goalie, right? Uh, UC Saros is a smaller goalie, but all those guys are good. And so the proof of concept is there. Um, you know, I think for him uh, to for the Rangers to get something tangible out of this pick down the road i think he will have to work maybe he's not going to be able to be as reactive he's going to have to improve you know he's going to have to start playing his percentages a little bit more probably maybe work on some of his technical stuff uh i'm not a goalie guy so i can't tell you how good his you know his reverse vh form is or whatever this or if he doesn't do that you know if he's not properly anchoring himself to the post but just from what i've seen you know just looking at uh, the goaltenders this year uh i liked it he I think in terms of goalies, 
I had him as my fifth ranked goalies. Askarov uh, obviously was my number one who ends up going to the Predators. Uh, Drew Camesso went to um, was two. He went to Chicago, I think. Uh, I forget who took Yol uh, uh, Blomqvist and Nico Dawes. I forget what teams they got selected by. But yeah, Dylan was my fifth uh, pick goalie. And I think in here in the fourth round is also an excellent value. They were there, you know, so many fans get so up in arms when, when teams pick goalies, you know, in the mid rounds, they almost want them towards the tail end or just, I don't know. People just don't like when teams select goalies. But again, I think the Rangers consulted Benoit Lair and again, you know, they said, is there something to work with here? And who knows? You look, you look the how the, how hard the kid competes and battles, especially down low. He's really hard to beat in scrambles and in front of the net. Uh, yeah, so they liked it, and I'm going to, again, I will defer to them because they clearly have uh, a, their finger on that pulse. Yeah, and, you know, for all the Ranger fans that, you know, got so bent out of shape, even on Twitter, the ranting and the raving, you know, we took a goalie, and, the, you know, like, we already have our goalie for the future. Listen, you can never have enough goalies. You really can't. I mean, anything can happen. Goalies are funky. They can, they're streaky. They can have five good seasons and then just fall off a cliff. They can have one good season, fall off a cliff. They can fall, fall off the cliff. Then all of a sudden become, you know, uh, a Vesna finalist uh, the next year. You just never know what you have with goalies that you can never have enough of them. And considering the Rangers history with goaltending and their coaching ability to coach these kids up and, you know, now getting rid of Lundqvist and, and, you know, I think everyone, putting all their chips into Igor is not the smartest thing in the world. You know, let's see what this kid has. Um, you know, if he doesn't turn out to be a Lundqvist, you know, we need a backup plan and you want to set yourself up for the future. And, you know, that's exactly what, what you do in the NHL draft. That's why there's seven rounds. You, you know, you take, you know, you're supposed to build the pieces uh, accordingly. And, you know, again, Rangers do very well drafting goalies. We do very well developing goalies. So I fully have my, I fully trust the Rangers organization with drafting this kid uh, in the fourth round. I know a lot of people were upset. Even a lot of analysts were surprised that the Rangers took a goalie. So um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's my two cents on the whole thing. Uh, Again, I don't even care what this kid has done in the past. If uh, you know, if the organization likes him, and thinks that they can work with them, that's perfectly fine by me. All right. So now we're getting into into the real, I think, the meat of the NHL draft. I always say the first three rounds are make or break on the draft. After that, you're gambling and, you know, you you hope to hit a lottery pick. So in the third round, 91st overall, the Rangers drafted Oliver Tarnstrom, center. Yeah, so this pick surprised me, and I, f- I felt it was a bit of a reach. But the weird thing is, I couldn't believe that uh, Veerling was still available in the fourth. So if you flip those picks around, and that's how you presented it to me, I would say, oh, that's fine. Yeah, it's absolutely reasonable. So, um, and who knows, if the Rangers felt that strongly to maybe pick someone who I felt was maybe more of a uh a f- like a fourth or fifth round guy in the third yeah you know, especially you know in the top 100 at 91 um 
Yeah, I mean, that says a lot. So, you know, he he was the best player on a week, his his uh his super elite team. He played for a- AIK and I think this coming upcoming season he's going to bounce between there and probably get some some time in the Allsvenskan. Um but he's one of the best players on the week team last year. Um two-way center, very good, very smart, you know, it's similar to Veerling in that like very strong uh positioning. His skating's pretty good. It could be better, but it's not bad. I think he's got he's good edges. He's pretty. I, I don't say he's elusive, but he he use he like for a a guy who's kind of a little bit more slight. He like can actually. I like how he kind of protects pucks. Uh, he uses his edges to kind of like you know pivot out and protect, and then either, you know he can move it. He's got really good hands. He's got good creativity, and he's got a nice shot. Uh, that's where he differs from Veerling in that his shot is really good. Um, Obviously, he's not a sniper. He's definitely still more of a playmaker, but he's got one of those shots where he's not, you know, it's not like he's in full flight and he's big wind up. It's just he's kind of one of those guys that he just kind of he can anchor his feet, but he can just he's got a a real low lex, uh, low lex, a real low flex stick. So he can just, you know, lean on it a little bit and it does that whole, you know, the fulcrum thing. It just whips it and he can put it top corner. So, yeah, he's uh, I think the Rangers like what a lot of the raw uh, talent and skill he has there. He'll he'll probably get bigger. He'll probably fill out a, a little bit more. Uh, Dick Tarnstrom. I don't know if you remember him. Former NHL or is his is his father or his uncle? I forget. He's related to Dick Tarnstrom somehow. I assume I assume it's his father. But um, yeah, I think he is a kid who is a a bit of a late bloomer and only came on towards the end of his season last year. Uh, and like I said, the pick at the time was a little high. But I think when team, you know, they clearly. Uh, focused in on something or found something they're like this kid's really raw but like what he's working with raw already as a raw pick has been great especially to, to start getting uh, reps you know in, in a men's league in the Allsvenk and um, yeah and even you know be a younger kid on his own his own you know super elite team so although I think they're changing the name of super elite or they already did whatever um, but yeah I mean as a pr- this kid if he's very raw so he's a he's a project but I do think he's got top six upside, you know, uh, if, you know, if everything goes right, he could be, I think he could be a, uh, probably more likely on the wing, but you know, who knows? Uh, he, he passes the puck. Well, he's very creative. Uh, he has good awareness, you know, he's, he, he tries hard on defense and he uses, uh, his awareness to put himself in good spots, but he need you know, he loses battles cause he's a little slight, but Again, if he gets stronger, that he at least he's competing, and you, it's not like he's lackadaisical, you know. But so, yeah, I think he's got pretty good upside. Like I said, top six upside, but at the same time, he's gonna really he's a project. But you know, for a third round pick to say you could they you could get a you know a playmaking uh, you know second line uh, yeah two way either center or winger who can also score because they have an excellent shot, especially if he becomes a plays on the, like the right side of the power play. Like that's pretty good, you know? Yeah. And listen, the uh, Rangers need centers right now. Can never have enough of them. Uh, again, I know a lot of people were upset with this pick. Uh, listen, I, again, I, th- I know I say gamble in the later rounds, but a lot of people said that this was, you know, like you said, the project and, um, but that's what that's what you're you're betting on. You're betting on your organization organization to develop these players. You're betting on them to you know uh, the, be able to 
guide this kid in a direction in which fits your team. It's not always just about, well, can this kid hop in and play this position and, and do it well at the NHL level? It's like, where does he fit in within our organization? And if they felt that, you know, they want to take a two-way center that has a little bit of upside uh, in the third round, you know, in an organization that lacks center depth, I mean, I'm all for it. I mean, I think it was a smart pick by the Rangers. Um, I know the draft experts, they want to be right. So they'll always, uh, they might not have this kid projected this high. So in, in, in their own defense, they'll, they'll knock the pick down. But again, uh, Rangers need centers and they didn't draft it. And as, as you will see, they didn't draft it in the first or second round. So uh, yeah, they wanted to take who they thought was, you know, a kid that had huge upside and uh, can play, you know, top, you know, as a top six forward in, in yeah. the National Hockey League in their organization. So again, uh, solid pick for the Rangers. Glad they took that center. Yeah, teams usually have intel if they know that there are other teams that might cover a player and. Mm-hmm. You know, they. I don't think they would have taken him there if they didn't feel that he would not be available. Uh, they they might have had a feeling that he would get taken somewhere in the fourth, and they liked him. But they also could know that maybe teams had soured on Veerling, or you know, especially considering you know he's a kid who uh, demanded a trade. So who knows? Maybe kids they thought like, oh, he's gonna he's slipping because teams are a little worried about that there's an entitlement or something there. But uh, no, yeah, it makes uh, makes sense. All right, so let's go into the second round. And the Rangers in the second round, 59th overall, select Will. Hold on, I'm going to put on my shades. Cool from Windsor, the OHL. I know it's pronounced Cooley. I'm going to pronounce it cool for now on because Will Cool is so I mean, cool. I mean, yeah, it's if you I, I know by now. The video of him getting interviewed after getting drafted has gone around where the sports, I think it's Sportsnet or whoever it is, they're talking to him about, and he's like, rank, he, he loves Star Wars. And he like non ironically says, like, that Revenge of the Sith is his favorite Star Wars movie. And then starts, they keep grilling him and he starts talking about how, like, uh, you know, Anakin Skywalker was like immaculately conceived. It was really funny and weird. Uh, this kid's clearly a, uh, yeah, he's a. Uh, I guess he's a cool cat. I don't know. He he has that like really laid back thing about him, or at least in the interviews I've seen. But uh, yeah, I mean, this was a. I think a divisive pick for Rangers fans. Yeah, uh, and I understand why. I also thought I was like, well, like you know, he's. It's maybe it's just kind of harder to bank on. You can clearly see why they like him. Uh, he's big. He's a power winger. Uh, you know, played for the the Spitfires in the OHL this season um, and skates really well for his size. You know, he's, he's a powerful skater, clearly, He's but he's got good, pretty good agility. He gets open well. He's got a hell of a shot. He can really rip it. Um, and yeah, I think he's just one of those like him and in, in, uh, Jean-Luc Foudy this season. They had good chemistry uh, and a lot of it was based off more, you know, because Jean-Luc Foudy is like more of a he's not exactly like a, a playmaker extraordinaire. It's just more of a get to the net and make things happen type of player with his speed. And I think for Will Cooley to be able to follow play well or jump on pucks and just, you know, uh, protect it using his size and his frame and drive to the net, it worked out. Yeah. It worked out pretty well for him. Um, you know, you could argue at, at this point, 
you know, was, is he maybe more of a third round pick? Maybe, but I, I, you know, listen, we talked about up top that the Rangers clearly had something in mind, you know, in their heads with this draft, you know, they're drafting players that make them diff- more difficult to be again, to play against, you know, they're for their playmakers. They wanted to make sure they had good awareness. They were smart and they knew where to be. You know, I don't think they wanted a, a situation where, you know, as much as they like a Julian Gauthier and as much as I like a player like that, you know, it's, some of their kids right now are kind of floating around in the zone and they're like, uh, what am I supposed to be doing right now? And I think they wanted to make sure they were either going to get players that knew where they had to position themselves to try to get the puck back or they were just so big that they're a problem. They'll run you over if you try to stop them. So that's clearly what they're they're going for in Cooley. Uh, and yeah, I think, you know, as a power winger, um, I know he compares himself to Jamie Ben, and it's funny when watching him, I did see a little bit of that. He's obviously nowhere near. I don't think he's got anywhere near the upside of a Jamie Ben just because I don't think he has the overall, uh, he's got, you know, he's got good hands, but he doesn't have as good hands. And I just don't think he has the vision of a Jamie Ben, but in terms of just playing a direct, but also, you know, with good finishing skills and good enough hands to make things happen, I definitely see it. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. So Listen, clearly the Rangers are like, we just, they, they've taken a lot of flyers on players like this. You know, a few seasons ago, uh, they, they tried to select uh, Matt Barzell's linemate, Ryan Gropp, who I wouldn't say they're too similar. I think Cooley's a way better prospect than Gropp. I think Gropp was a, a you know bad pick, but, um, you know, clearly they want, they, they want, they like the idea of having a, a Tom Wilson, Josh Anderson, uh, hell Alex Tuck power winger that is just can make things happen is hard to stop and it doesn't matter if like things get congested they can just yeah they can just by sheer physical you know force and will just uh, make things happen so yeah that's clearly what they were trying to shoot for with this pick so you know there's in the second I obviously had guys that I had ranked higher and that I had kind of uh honed my sights in on you know so uh, yeah i think at the time i was a little upset they didn't take him but i don't hate this pick um i i can't say i'm like 100 percent love it ecstatic but i think i'll it's one of those picks that if it does if you know if he becomes what they think he can become then i will definitely love it but at the same time if i see that you know who knows like a, a Casper Simonteval or something uh, like pops off and becomes like the like a an awesome like a you know a top six player and will becomes like a streaky you know bottom six sometimes uh, power you know support player like yeah I'd be a little mad so but it is what it is that's kind of you know that's like we talked about drafting is tough uh, and you're drafting Rangers for your needs yeah. yeah yeah they were draft you know. And I don't know, they, they say you should never, you should always try to draft best player available and shouldn't draft for need. But, uh, you know, I don't know. I think sometimes it's like, you know, obviously things like physicality and, uh, yeah, it's like the problem is I think that there are kids that are maybe offensively are much smarter in lower, you know, in junior hockey that can score, you know, 70 to 80 points in a season. But they don't have the physical, the frame, or they're just not skilled enough that when competition ramps up to make a difference. Whereas some of these guys that are just kind of streaky, they, they, you know, they do get stronger. They do get bigger. They do get more comfortable with their skills and they can, you know, they can really pop as they mature. So yeah, I think that's what the Rangers are banking on. And yeah, it's hard. It's, it's definitely harder, you know, uh, larger power players like this are harder to bear out because it's like, yeah, it's like, does it get harder for him as the competition gets bigger or does he 
just continue to do what he's doing and like he gets continues to physically develop and he can event because he's already six you know he's young he's already six two two oh five so you know he it's i think he can realistically put at least another inch on if not he can end up a six you know six four two twenty or you know two twenty two thirty is not unreasonable for this kid and at that point especially in a league that seems to be trending a little bit lighter if he can move still and but he can also he has a hell of a shot and he can follow play well and he can wire pucks and he can just you know dip a shoulder and you can't stop him on his way to the net like that's awesome. I guess just the question is, is that are those types of players better flyers for you to take in the third and fourth round as opposed to the second round? But the Rangers saw enough. And if it listen, every team wants a Tom Wilson type or a Jamie right. Ben light. So if he becomes that, then you got him. But that's you know, there's a lot. A lot of teams have been burned before for trying to get those guys. But yeah, if when it works out, though, it, it works out. Yeah. And, and, you know, I'll just throw in my two cents very quickly here. Again, it. Listen, you you can't you don't know where your grit your grit is going to come from. Uh, the Rangers were weak along the boards, especially in the defensive zone. It'd be nice to get a kid that has some size that could you know be strong along the boards, and you know whether or not he has that uh, ability to uh, you know skate up and down the ice at the National Hockey League level. You know, is obviously you never know with any of these kids. You know, the NHL is so the leap from the AHL to the NHL is insane. The leap from these for these 18 year olds, there's a reason why there's only, you know, a few players from every single year that are just studs and that grow into these, you know, unbelievable NHL players is because it's it's rare and it's really hard. So, you know, again, I don't hate this pick at all. One of the biggest things the Rangers were lacking was size and grit. I mean, you saw it when Lemieux was out of our lineup, how much that hurt us. And I'm glad that we got a kid that can play physical, that is big, that is strong, that, you know, is going to play the wing and hopefully, you know, win those one-on-one battles along the boards. I mean, you can never have enough of those kids in your arsenal. So, uh, you know, I kind of like to pick. Obviously, ignorance is bliss sometimes when you don't know really what very well what's available elsewhere. So, yeah. again, um, I like this kid. Yeah. And his name. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, I think uh, the the biggest controversy of the NHL draft for the New York Rangers, I think, came uh, in round one, uh, 19th overall. The Rangers selected Braden Schneider, defenseman from the WHL. Uh, before I have I share my two cents, why sure. don't you why don't you actually, you know what? Let me go first. You go first. Yeah. OK. I don't like this pick at all. Number one, I don't care if he's tough as nails defenseman. We needed a center. And you had an opportunity to draft a center in the first round. You draft a center in the first round. Listen, I don't care if this kid develops into an all-star defenseman. We needed the draft for our needs, and we needed a center. And there was a player out there, LaPierre, who, was, who I would have gambled on and taken later in the first round, then the, uh, explain to me why the Rangers would take this kid when you have clearly uh, a very good center, you know, in the draft in the first round. This is not where you start gambling on players. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, you know, uh, yeah, again, it's like there's the player, then there's the pick. I like the player. Uh, do I like the pick? I don't know. Um, 
to your point, James, I because we had the extra flyer, I would have been happy uh, gambling on Hendricks Lapierre. You know, he ends up slipping to Washington because of the injuries, but they they've been so barren for a while. They were almost so desperate that they wanted to make it happen. Mm-hmm. I would have been happy with Maverick Bork. I would have been happy with Ridley Gregg. Um, you know, uh, and again, I I do think taking the best player available, but is it is you know, is Braden Schneider the best player available there? Um, it's, I mean, it was in his range, so it's not like he's not, but it's just like he is just such a safe projection that it's almost like, you know, you, you, you with him, you value. Like, his honestly, what's the upside with this kid? Tell, you got to. Oh, yeah. So, that so all right. So, away. listen. Yeah. Listen, I people. This is one of those pick that because people are so mad about, I think they underrate the player. Uh, very good skater for you know he's not you know he's obviously he's not uh like as good a skater as you know sanderson or um or jamie drysdale but very good skater you know he he almost plays a modern version of an old school game like closes gaps extremely well very good at at uh closing guys off quickly rubbing them out with a with you know hard hits but then also quickly getting the puck moving it the other way. He's got great gap control and awareness. He almost reminds me of McDonough in that uh and not not the not in terms of his skating cuz McDonough's a way better not a way better but a better skater. He's just more of a mobile power skater. But Schneider is definitely better with his re or not better but you know what I think Schneider is a player that's more patient with his reads and is very good at closing. And is very good at getting him, keeping himself between uh, attackers in the net. And yeah, he's just a very good, almost pure defender. But he can also make an excellent first pass. He's got a good shot. He jumps into play. He can follow it well. And honestly, he was at times he was dominant uh, as the top pairing. You know, as the number one defenseman for the Wheat Kings this season. Um, you know, the Rangers have beefed up their their Western Hockey League scouting in the last few seasons. Uh, clearly they felt that highly about this kid and that he's one of those players that, you know, especially as it becomes less in vogue, but at the same time, it's like if you can get a Pareko or a Shea Weber type player who is maybe they're not going to put up an insane number, but they end, still end up putting around, you know, between 20 to 30 points. And they're just like, uh, uh, you know, it's just every time you have to deal content with them in your end, it's a, it's a, it's a problem. You know what I mean? So, I don't think he's, I think he, his upside is a second, uh, you know, is a second pairing defenseman. I mean, if you have a really good first pairing defenseman, yeah, he could definitely ride shotgun with him. I think if everything goes right, uh, you know, Brent Seabrook gets thrown around a lot. And if you have a Duncan Keith type, then yeah, then that's a perfect complimentary guy. So who knows? Maybe he is the perfect complimentary player for a Tony or, or, you know, um, depending on, on what side he's playing on. But, um, but yeah, I mean, again, I just, for my, like you, James, I think for the pick, I, even if it wasn't a center, it's just, I do think there may be some players there that if you're getting Lafreniere for free, like why not just take another big swing there? Like you said, even if LaPierre didn't work out, if he did work out, you have a top six center because he's that talented and he's that good, you know? Um, you know, remains to be seen. You know, if one, if any one of Greg or Maverick Bork or uh, Hendricks Lapierre become, you know, a even a you know a second line center, I'll be kind of upset. But 
you know, I guess the Rangers feel like you can never have too much of a thing and that they can always trade from a position of strength. Um, so yeah, I, I don't want to say this as if I don't like the player because I do, and I like his, I like what he brings, and I think I kind of almost like it the more time goes on. But I still think that was the wrong pick, and especially to move up to get him. You know, uh, Calgary trades down twice and selects Connor Zari. So listen, I I'm so flustered about this pick, and like <laughs> again, my again another question I have for you: sure. Where does he stack up against our other defensemen? And we have so many young defensemen that you know can show promise and upside. That you know, where does he fit in immediately? Like he's well, he's you know the great thing about him is he's more he's more ready than some of these guys that are even you know drafted before. He's more ready than a Zach Jones. Uh, is he ready this season? I don't think so, but he could, he's a, I think as soon as not this season, but the next season, you could see him sniffing around the AHL in camp. Uh, okay. He probably goes back to, he's, you know, he's going to go back to Brandon probably because I don't, uh, you know, if he makes it out of camp, I'd be shocked. I, I, he won't, but, uh, is he right now a top three, uh, defensive prospect for us? Um, is he's not, he's not above, so let's see who are defensive process. Uh, Nils, right. Andre, uh I mean, his upside is probably better than. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I'd say he is. If if I'm being honest, because, um, yeah, because I'm trying to think. Like, I have Nils and Keandre above him. So but do I. Is I have I. I think his upside's a little bit higher than Matthew Robertson, who we took last mm-hmm. year, who I do like. And Zach Jones, as much as I like, he's still, you know, the size and is still going to be an issue. And I like Tarmo Reunion, but he's just more of a safe and he doesn't have the, you know, because at the end of the day, Schneider has some things as, other, you know, the mean streak gives him an, uh, an extra element those guys don't have. Um, just the the skating for that size and the ability to, like, uh, eliminate threats and put out fires in his own end with, you know, uh, <laughs> with extreme, uh, prejudice it, they don't have. And, you know, everyone thinks it's like, Oh, he's big thrown hits. And it's really not the case. It's just more about like, he's very good at timing when to like, to close and dip and, and eliminate a guy. And that's what he does. He's a patient guy. So it's not like he's just running around hitting guys and then just like admiring his hit. And as the puck squeaks out to their teammate and then they're like, he's takes himself out of the play. He's yeah, he's good. It's like he's not super dynamic, but he's got a pre- he's got a good wrist shot. I think his his slap shot needs work if he wants to get shots from the points. But he's good at kind of uh, getting shots through, kind of like Truba esque. And you know, is if you know Jacob Truba, uh, you know, in his draft, if you say you got Truba at 19th overall, you'd be pretty happy for for what he's done so far. So, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I do think he's a top three defensive prospect in our system and uh yeah i just i just like like you said i wish they took a center there but yeah it is no, what I, it is i do i do am a fan of the player and at this point it's like if if none of those centers that were projected in the first pan out be you know then i feel a little bit better about it yeah and it's you know you know what it was too it the last time i had this feeling watching the draft is when the rangers selected dylan McElrath. like you knew they were going to take a defenseman, and then they had um, what's his name? Uh, God was available, and they kept on showing him on the screen. He went to the Ducks, the defenseman Fowler, Cam Fowler, Cam Fowler. and 
you know, they kept on showing Fowler's family and like the dad was like nudging them like, oh my God, you're going to go to the New York Rangers. And then the fucking they stepped up and they announced Dylan McElrath. And I was just like, are you fucking kidding me? Like you're going to take Dylan McElrath? You had one of the best defensemen, you know, out there available. So, um, all right. So let's, let's, uh, let's talk about our prize possession. Obviously the Rangers were blessed getting the number one overall pick, uh, you know, Again, this kid is unbelievable. Alexis Lafreniere, first round, first overall. Uh, Your thoughts, reaction, and uh, let's go. Yeah. I'll finish with this just because, yeah, uh, we're coming up on our timeline here and I got to wrap. But obviously, enough has been said about Lafreniere. Mm -hmm. Uh, Instantly makes the team better. And he, yeah, I mean, what a a gift he is for this franchise. He's going to slot in. Uh, as an impact player right away. Obviously, there's a lot of talk about him having a 60-point season. I think it's a little generous, but it would be great. 50 points, not out of the question for him. Um, there's so much talk about him converting him to a center. He's been so effective as a wing, I don't know why you would. like he If he can drive play from the wing like a Panarin, it doesn't really matter, right? You can put a Strom type or whoever with him. Instantly makes this team better. Uh, you know, we've... It's been, I'm sure by now all Rangers fans know it or have done all their research on him. But yeah, that's all in all, like he, his, everything the Rangers did in this draft because they're getting him is worth it. You know what I mean? It's kind of like house money. So yeah, you know, uh, on Twitter, um, Larry D'Antonio asked what I, we thought as the draft as a whole. And I'll say this, I think that getting Lafreniere makes every, this draft a win, no matter what. At the same time, there were some head scratchers for me and some weird positioning, but I like what they did in the mid rounds. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, and obviously I w- wish they maybe it took and tr- reached a little bit more, took a swing on that second first, but we're getting Lafreniere. It's hard for me to argue. And uh, I'm going to let you close this one out, James. Yeah, you know, I'm super excited. I mean, obviously, if you want, just go to Hockey DB and check out the stats and the numbers that this kid has put up. Uh, he was a no-brainer, taken you know first overall. Uh, he's an immediate NHL hockey player. Watching his highlights, you just see his his vision is unbelievable. It almost seems like he's bored out there half the time. Uh, he just is just a guy that I think will fit in great with New York. I'm glad he doesn't need to be the man right away. I'm glad we have players like Panarin and Mika Zibanejad to kind of lead the way. Um, so he's not going to a, a complete dumpster fire of an organization. He can fit right there in the middle. He can play with uh, Kako. Uh, they can play together with no pressure uh, and let their game, not literally play together, but you know, just let their games develop together over the next couple of years and learn from the all-stars that we have on our team. Super excited to have them. Uh, to, to rank the Rangers draft overall, uh, for me, I give them a B plus. The plus coming from having a Alexis Lafreniere. I think uh, the first round really took a, a letter grade off for me and not, not taking a center there. But overall, I saw what the Rangers did. They drafted for their needs. And again, um, you know, these guys put in countless hours and time and, and into looking at each of, each of these players in the draft. Uh, and, you know, I watch a few highlight videos and all of a sudden I become, you know, the god of the NHL draft. I'm lucky to have Andy here who knows so much about it. Uh, to kind of walk me off the ledge when I don't like a pick. But again, uh, the Rangers are drafting for their needs. Uh, 
my reaction after the signings of Georgie and uh, Tony D uh, made me feel a little bit better, knowing that those guys, you know, are still part of the organization. And looking at all the assets that we have, I'm super excited for next year. And January 1st can't come soon enough. Thank you for listening to the Broadway Boys podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Broadway Boys Pod, and please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.